Welcome back to Embodied Wellness Radio, everybody, a podcast for and around creating the happiest and healthiest lives that we can make through nutrition, training, mindset, health sciences, and so much more. We are back from a nice little break to recharge the system, work with our clients because we have been overloaded and we are so grateful for that. And look who is back with me at my side. I am so stoked to be back, Wellness Gang. And today's topic is something that I am very passionate about. If you follow us on or me personally on social media, you will know this is something that I chat about a lot. And there's a lot of misinformation around this subject out on social media. So I am so freaking stoked to bring you the facts and the truth truth and some thoughts to think about with this information. Let's get it going. So today we are going to talk about why a calorie is not in fact just a calorie despite what you might hear on social media. So food type is equally, if not arguably, more important than food amount. And so there's lots of information out on social media talking about caloric deficits, tracking macros, a calorie is just a calorie, or my all-time favorite, which is it doesn't matter if you eat processed sugar because everything turns into sugar in your body. Don't get me started. (laughs) Y'all, y'all. Come on, (laughs) come on. So today we're going to be chatting all about why food type is so important. We're going to look at different reasons why we should consider this, both from a habit-based approach, also from an acute-based approach of what happens to the food once it's in your body, and talking about some long-term implications of why we need to focus so much on food type. So to get started, let's chat a little bit about calories or energy in versus energy out so that you understand kind of the basis of where this is coming from. So on social media, you'll hear a lot of people talk about a caloric deficit. So essentially what that means is you are eating less calories than you are burning. And that would be how you create a deficit in energy of energy in versus energy out. And a lot of people who follow this method or have this belief, which I'm not saying is not true because a big part of it is true. However, we also need to consider the other aspects that would influence this. So many people who ride and die by this belief also will tell you that a calorie is a calorie. So eating 100 calories of gummy bears would be the same as eating 100 calories of blueberries from a fat loss perspective. However, Our bodies are not simple equations. Our bodies are incredibly dynamic and complex. And food is not just numbers. Food is not just energy. Food is information for our body. It quite literally builds our cells. We become what we eat. It signals different cascades of events into our body. Different nutrients tell us different things. And overall, the food that we eat can quite literally be medicine. And it really does make up our body. So to kind of boil that down to just say like energy in versus energy out for your health and body composition, it's just not true. And it's missing such a big piece of the picture. So I'm really excited to chat more about that today. The first thing that I would like to look at is a habit-based perspective. So when you are trying to focus on improving your body composition, we do need to be mindful of the amount of food that we're taking in. So that's the first thing I would like to be clear is I'm not discounting that being mindful of your food intake is important. You could be eating 4,000 calories worth of almond butter, uh, lean meats, steak, broccoli, all the good stuff. And if you're just sitting on your butt all day and you're maybe a female around 120 pounds, even though your food choice is super amazing, it might not be that supportive for 
your body composition goals. So that's the first thing to keep in mind. That's a really good point for people to realize is a lot of the time we have people come to us saying, but I eat healthy and I just can't lose weight. You can eat healthy. You can have amazing food sources in your body. However, amount does matter at a certain point. Mm -hmm. And the next thing to understand is a little bit about how this could impact your habits. So when you're eating highly processed foods or even healthier versions of processed foods that have additives such as sugar, high fructose corn syrup, artificial sweeteners, natural flavors, and artificial flavors. These foods are manufactured to taste really freaking good. And they do do taste really (laughs) freaking good. And the point of adding all of these things to the food is to make you, the consumer, eat more of the product. So I might eat a lot more of something that has a blueberry sort of natural flavoring than I would eat of actual blueberries. And that's the point. The, The reason why they put all of these things into the food is to make consumers eat more of it so that the company makes more money. And so these are things that we call hyper palatable foods, which means they are hyper palatable. You can eat a lot of them and you might not feel super satisfied or you would just eat a lot more of them because they taste so incredible. And so when you're trying to focus on any body composition goal and you are trying to be mindful of your total caloric intake or how much food you're taking in, eating foods that are quite literally manufactured and designed for you to eat more of them is going to make it more challenging for you to be able to tune into your body's hunger cues and satiety cues and also to eat in a moderated amount. Food corporations, corporations, <laughs> food corporations spend hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars every single year creating foods that taste amazing for you. Um, but a big one is also the mouthfeel. Mouthfeel is what sells so many products. We love a good mouthfeel. It's true. And that's why something like a Twinkie or I don't, I don't know what those things, wagon wheels, I think they're called. It's like uh, marshmallow. I've had a few of those in my time. <laughs> back in the day, back before you knew better. But <laughs> those kind of foods, they spend hundreds of millions of dollars on making you become addicted to it. Hyper palatable foods at the end of the day are mentally addicting to eat. And that's why uh, you often find yourself always thinking or coming back to a certain food source or it's not a food. It's not real food. A hundred years ago, 97% of the things you see in your grocery store never existed in nature, right? So a lot of these things are uh, man-made, man-made foods. Therefore, I can't actually really therefore call them foods consciously. However, um, that's that's what they do. Spend lots of money, make you addicted. Yeah. And another thing to keep in mind is just the overall impact that it can have on overriding your hunger and satiety cues. Mm. So without getting too much into the science, we have this nerve called the vagus nerve, which is integral in your gut brain connection. Our gut also has cells that are sensing amount and volume of and type of nutrients that we are receiving, which then signals the vagus nerve to go to your brain and be like, Hey, Sarah has eaten some nutrients. She has eaten some food you're probably full and satiated. And then I get that sensation and I go, hmm, maybe I should put down the food and I am satiated. However, a lot of these processed foods, they can override some of your satiety signals. So your body might not actually recognize that you're getting nutrients because a lot of the time 
you aren't. <laughs> Just because you're taking in calories doesn't mean you're taking in nutrients. So you can eat a lot of them and not really feel satiated or full. And some specific foods such as high fructose corn syrup, for example, can actually cause neural inflammation. So this is an inflammation of the brain and the vagus nerve where your uh, the cells that are in your stomach are actually unable to communicate effectively and efficiently with your brain to let you know that you've had enough food to eat. And so food type is really important in just being able to tune into your satiety cues because quite literally when we eat nutrient dense foods and we eat real foods, your body recognizes that as a food. And so you will feel satiated. You will feel full because your brain is able to properly communicate. However, when we take in a lot of toxic foods and a lot of highly processed foods, some of these foods can impact the ability for your brain and your gut to communicate. So we will eat more without feeling satiated, without feeling full. And this is often time while, why I'll have clients come to me too. Like I'm eating so much and I just don't feel full because it, it's food type, right? So we need to also understand why and how eating these foods can impact us. And I also want to just put out there and preface that we're not saying never have these foods. We are saying it's important to have the education and the mindfulness and the awareness of how these foods might impact you so then you can make empowered decisions. So now that you hear this information, you might go, oh yeah, I do actually notice that I could eat like a thousand calories worth of Oreos and not feel very full. So maybe I'll try focusing on making my own chocolate chip cookies if I have a cookie craving, or maybe if I have an Oreo, I'll choose to have it after a meal so that it's not just as a snack, right? And so it's up to you to take this information and decide how it might apply for your to your life and to your nutrition in general. However, if you are focusing on a body composition goal, trying to have the large majority of your food come from food that is as close to the natural source and the whole food source as you can get it so that you can properly tune into your hunger and your satiety cues without having the influence of all of these um, all of these products and ingredients that might be overriding that system. As Sarah's saying, quality matters, and especially in your meat sources. A common practice in, in agricultural practices in Canada is to maximize profits by raising large amounts of cattle on small areas of land. The animals are fed diets that fatten them up quickly on grains, but this doesn't come naturally to the animal's systems. Not only that, but this has long-term consequences such as soil erosion and contamination, mass antibiotic use, industrial farms are often administering millions of pounds of antibiotics in related drugs every year, causing unprecedented levels of antibiotic resistance from the animals. Another thing is pollution. Mass amounts of manure and animal waste are generated in small areas of land, which often leaches into the water systems and releases hazardous gases into the atmosphere. A major source of pollution in Canada's rivers and streams really is caused by runoff from agricultural and municipal areas, which can affect the aquatic life as well. But I've been speaking with a local BC ranch that has a solution for these problems. P&H Ranch is a sustainable, all-natural, farm-to-plate operation and proudly the partner of today's podcast. In contrast to large industrial farms, P&H Ranch's eco-friendly ranch only uses manure to fertilize their fields and pesticides are never used. These free-range ranching methods, including grass finishing, gives back to the land. This harmonic balance benefits all of the animals, the crops, and our environment. And sustainable ranches are meant to be just that, sustainable. At P&H Ranch, the cows are only fed grass and hay their entire lives. Now, this is really important to understand the difference between a grass-fed cow and a grass-finished cow. 
All cows are grass-fed, but traditional operations finish their beef on grain. Finished is the word that you want to look for when you're buying beef. So when you're looking to purchase the best beef sources, look no further than P&H Ranch to find grass-finished beef at grain-finished prices. Direct message at p.h.ranch on Instagram or visit www.phranch.ca to get hooked up with the best meat sources that money can buy. I'm super excited because we have some steak and ground beef on the way and I'm so excited to get this uh, winter's cuts. Mm -hmm. So that's just a little bit about how your food type can actually influence habits. And some people like to do new strategies such as tracking macros where you can have a specific amount that you control and you know how it influences you. But if you're someone who maybe doesn't want to do that and you want to try to move towards a body composition goal in a way that you're listening to your hunger cues or more quote unquote intuitively, it is important to recognize that you can influence your quote unquote intuition or your body signals by the types of food that you're eating. So it's really, really important to focus on foods that actually allow you to be in better tune with your body so that you're not under the influence of big food companies um, telling your body what to tell you to think. So it's super important to focus on food type, both if you're tracking, counting calories, whatever you're doing, food type is really, really important to allow you to feel more satiated and connected with your body. Another thing to, to kind of move on from that and just chat a little bit about how not all food or calories act the same in the body is important to understand that different food types and quality of food influence the calories that your body absorbs by eating them. Oh, hold on, say that again for people again. That was a big, big piece of information. All right, let us bring it back. Let us, one more time for the people in the back. The type of food that you eat and the quality of food that you eat can influence the amount of calories that your body absorbs from that food. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, so there is actually this really incredible study that came out of Harvard around July of this year, and they took two sample groups. So on paper, everything was the same, calories the same, macros the same, food was the same. The difference was food quality. So in one group, they had Wonder White Bread and then like a Kraft Singles American processed cheese. I use the word very Quote lightly. Cheese. <laughs> Some sort of a chemical concoction that resembles cheese. And the other group, they had a piece of whole wheat, multigrain bread and real cheddar cheese. And so they were eating the same number of calories and the same macros on paper. The difference was what type, <laughs> what type of food and what quality of food were these groups taking in? What they found was the group that ate the processed food absorbed 50% more calories from the food that the unprocessed food or the whole food group absorbed. Holy smokes, 50% of the calories. So if you're tracking your macros and you are eating processed food, the question after that is how much of that is your body actually absorbing? So the next question would be why? What's going on? So we have this thing called thermogenic effect of food, which is a way to talk about how much energy it takes for your body to actually burn or break down that food. And so when we have like a whole food source, our body again recognizes it as food and nutrients. It also contains some fiber and maybe the cheese um, had a little bit more protein. And so it takes more energy for our body to actually digest and break down the food. We tend to digest it slower because it has some fiber, which also helps with 
satiation and feeling full. And so when we're actually breaking down this food, we use some energy. So our body is absorbing less of the calories. And so even though things might be the same in my fitness pal or on paper, that doesn't mean that they act the same on your body. Because again, your body is not a machine. It's not just one plus one equals two when we're talking about this dynamic and beautiful and alive system that is our digestive system and our body and our metabolism. So you can actually influence how many body or how many calories your body absorbs just by focusing on food type and quality alone, which is so important to understand and just be able to recognize how it's not as simple as just plugging something in and then expecting the same outcome no matter what when you put it into your body. Beautifully said. Let's move on. What's the next one? So we're kind of just chatting about thermogenic effect of food. We'll talk a little bit about um, macros without getting too much into it. So essentially we have proteins, fats, and carbs would be our three main macros. So if I was to eat 100 calories worth of protein. It takes some energy for me to digest protein. So I'll actually be absorbing less calories versus if I ate hundred calories worth of carbs, my body would absorb more of that because it takes more energy to break down protein than it does to break down carbs or fats. So with talking about calories, not just a calorie, we also need to lightly touch on the fact that different macronutrients will influence our body in different ways. And so a big way, if you're trying to work on just overall body composition and your intake in a more intuitive way would be increasing your total dietary protein as it is very satiating. It is supporting for your metabolism and your body composition, and it will help you to feel fuller for longer as well. So just wanted to put that out there briefly as well. The next thing that we're going to discuss is super interesting, and there's a couple different nuances for it. So the food that you eat has an impact on your microbiome, which has an impact on your body composition. So here's another great study for you. First, the study was done in mice and then they replicated it in identical twins. So it does have human applications. Sometimes when you hear people talk about studies, it's in mice or a petri, petri dish, dish, but they actually tried this in humans, which is really incredible. So they had two identical twins, meaning genetics are the same because obviously that will have an impact as well. They implanted the microbiome of an obese person into one of the twins and a lean person into another. Both of the twins were eating the same calories and macros on paper over the span of, I forget how long it was, at least a month. What they found was the twin who had the microbiome of an obese person was gaining a bunch of weight, whereas the twin who had the microbiome of a lean person stayed the same. Now by microbiome, you mean the actual bacteria in the gut. Yes, the composition of gut bacteria. So now we can see from this study that having a a strong microbiome and having a diverse and specific population of gut bacteria can influence your overall body competition. (laughs) I'll fight you for this. (laughs) I will fight you for this lean bacteria on your body composition. So this is very important because we understand the influence that nutrition can play on your microbiome. And so we can see that independent of calories, microbiome health and diversity matters. So now how does that apply to nutrition? When we eat a diverse array of different types of produce, so like fruits, vegetables, and we also eat some probiotics, so kefir, kombucha, sauerkraut, 
We are supporting our digestive health. We are giving our body different nutrients, different types of pre and probiotics, different types of bacteria from having a diverse intake of produce. And the kind of gold standard for like really supporting your gut health is around 20 to 30 different types in a week. Oh, (laughs) makes you think, hey, how? So obviously not everybody needs to be taking that in, but it is important to be mindful of like rotating your produce and trying to have maybe eat seasonally so that we can support this diversity. On the other side of that, it's important to look at different factors that might be harming your overall microbiome, um, overall your microbiome composition. So one of these is eating non-organic foods. So if you think about it, why are they spraying your foods with pesticides and herbicides? If you think about the pests or the bugs that are on the food they're spraying, those little guys are a lot bigger than your gut bacteria. So they spray the food and it kills the bugs that are going to eat the food. And then you eat the food and then it kills the bugs inside of your stomach. Whoa, what an idea. So actually choosing organic produce is really, really important. And if it seems overwhelming or maybe out of your price range, you can do a Google search and search Dirty Dozen. And those are the 12 foods that are sprayed the most or have the most um, residue on them and are best to buy organic. So even just starting there or making a couple swaps can be really, really supportive for your overall gut health, which then will impact your microbiome, which then will impact your body composition. So now we're looking at a little bit more um, chronic. So over time, as opposed to just like in that moment, and we can see that these choices that we make with our food type and our food quality over time also will affect the way that our body looks and our ability to maintain our weight and really focus on our energy balance in general. The other thing to keep in mind with this is being mindful of things like tap water, your stress levels, artificial sweeteners, all of which can impact your gut microbiome. So again, just stemming back to why focusing on whole foods and quality of foods is so, so powerful in what your body is able to do with those calories, as we saw in the study. Yeah, we've got uh, one of the colleagues in our in the health space, actually, Joel Green. I think he was the author of um, The Immunity Code, if I'm not correct. Mm-hmm. But I'd love to get him on the podcast because he was doing some research on this. And he was finding specifically in lean individuals a higher propensity for acromantia bacteria in the gut. Um, so there's some theories to go along with specifically what bacteria will help somebody stay lean over time, which I don't know a ton about, but I'd love to have a deeper conversation with him at some point. But what's next? Next would be um, just talking about very briefly about how over time food type can influence your overall hormone imbalance, which obviously influences your body composition. So kind of the main things that you think of when you think of hormone-related weight gain or resistant weight loss, meaning difficulty to lose weight, are thyroid functioning, overall estrogen levels, and insulin. So all of these can be impacted by our food choice and our food quality. So that could be a total podcast on its own, but just really briefly to talk about the nutrients and the The nutrients and the vitamins and the minerals that come in whole food sources support the functioning of all of those systems. So there's certain nutrients that support your thyroid, certain nutrients that support healthy estrogen levels, certain nutrients that would support your ability to be sensitive to insulin. And so when we are eating a a diet or you're, you're focusing your nutrition on having 
quality sources of food, abundant in vitamins and minerals versus processed foods. You're supporting all of the systems that help you to regulate your body weight and support your overall hormone balance, which might not seem like a really big deal when you look at it acutely, but over time, the impact of these minerals or potential mineral deficiencies can influence your body's ability to, again, deal with food, deal with calories, deal with carbohydrates, and therefore influence your overall body composition. So many important points on today's podcast. Um, Sarah, that was amazing. I feel like you didn't breathe the entire time you did that. But <laughs> I didn't. for any of the information today, there was quite a bit to go over there for any of links to the studies or to our beautiful podcast partners today, P&H Ranch. Uh, any of that information can be found at embodiedwellnessco.com slash blog slash 18. The number is 18 as that is the episode that it is today. So thank you so much for listening today. Sarah, is there anything else you'd like to say to the people? Yeah, just to kind of conclude all of this information is that a lot of it can seem overwhelming sometimes. And I know that there's a lot of kind of back and forth between like functional medicine practitioners and then people who focus mainly on macros. And so it's important to recognize that both are really important. We do need to focus on both. Um, the the point of this podcast is to give you the information of why it's also important to focus on food type and really just bringing it back to basics. So without having to stress ourselves over every single ingredient that's in food, if that seems overwhelming for you, just focusing on how can I include more whole foods in my diet? Maybe right now I'm eating fruits and veggies at one meal. So maybe for this week, my goal can be to have it at two meals and just starting to make these small shifts of maybe replacing certain processed foods that you get with something closer to the whole food source. Like these small choices really add up over time. And so just starting to focus on bringing it back to the foundations of like eating lots of fruits and veggies, get in your bioavailable protein, focus as much as you can on having these whole foods. And it can make a world of difference in the way that you feel, the way that you think. And then therefore your thoughts and your feelings influence your actions and your behaviors. So you will notice that you start to develop this better connection with your body and with your environment and with food in general. And once you start to develop that synergy between all of those factors, it influences your choices and therefore like your overall body composition and your health and longevity. The body is complex, but the habits are basic. Thank you so much for listening today. I'm super excited to see everybody next time. Peace out, wellness gang. Peace out. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. This podcast provides general information and discussions about health and related subjects. The information and other content provided in this podcast or any linked materials are not intended and should not be construed as medical advice, nor is the information a substitute for professional medical expertise or treatment. If you or any other person has medical concern, you should consult with your healthcare provider and seek other professional medical treatment. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you may have heard on this podcast or any linked materials. If you think you may have a medical emergency, call your doctor or emergency services immediately. The opinions and views expressed on this podcast are of no relation to those of any academic, hospital, health practice, or other institution. 